you're an early stage Web3 founder, apply to our award-winning accelerator program, Basecamp at outlierventures.io slash Basecamp. We write your first $50,000 check and give you access to 200 mentors, including many of the leading Web3 founders, and a network of 1,000 of the world's leading investors and exchanges. We've helped over 30 startups from 15 countries from all around the world raise $130 million in growth funding and can help you fast track product market fit and where relevant, the launch of your token economy. Okay, so today I'm really happy to welcome on co-founder of the Alchemy Network, Brian Mahoney. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for having me on, Jamie. Great to be here. So you describe the Alchemy Network as decentralized finance for centralized institutions, DeFi for CeFi. And the goal of Alchemy is to bridge CeFi to DeFi with institutional-grade products tailored to the next frontier of capital allocation. So several reasons why I've got you on the show. Firstly, of course, DeFi is hot, still hot, since the summer of uh, 2020, um, but it's evolving or maturing. And of course, the big question is, how can we grow the amount of capital that is deployed into DeFi? And of course, bringing in institutions is going to be the way that that happens beyond just extending DeFi across what is a relatively small capital pool already allocated within crypto. The next frontier of capital allocation, as we like to refer to it. <laughs> exactly. Now, you've also taken a different approach to this. So disclaimer, Outlier has been working with Alchemy for close to two years now, maybe even over two years. In fact, um, my, the last time I saw you, Brian, was doing karaoke in a uh, Shanghai or Beijing nightclub. And <laughs> what happened after that stays between you and I. Um, stays in the family. Exactly. But we do have video footage, uh, in fairness, on both sides. So if I do release it, I guess I'm going to have to face the repercussions myself. Um, but um, what we've liked about you, working with you, is that you've taken, let's say, a different approach to DeFi. Much more methodical, much more patient, especially considering that you have been around for two years, including everything that was going on uh, in the crazy summer of 2020. So you didn't just spin up a protocol and kind of join the party offering this unsustainable liquidity mining, um, which effectively just saw money, the same money effectively move around between protocols. You've taken a much more patient, diligent approach. Um, I guess that's tied to the fact that you are looking to onboard a different type of stakeholder in CeFi rather than uh, DGENs. And so, you know, two years later, um, mainnet is live, um, products live. You've got 15 plus launch partners. We're going to talk about this a little bit later. $30 million of assets under, under protocol, um, AUP. And uh, the only constraint there has actually been, you know, your kind of deliberate approach to conservatively bringing on partners, albeit in a kind of fair and even way. And again, we're going to talk about this a little bit later. Um, but I think to understand uh, alchemy, you really have to understand the CFI mindset, kind of requirement um, for them when they're looking at something like DeFi. And, uh, you know, what's, what's compelling about alchemy is that it is, 
you know, derive from a team of people that understand that at the same time, understand and are native to DeFi. And so you propose that by removing these barriers or at least kind of mitigating or accounting for them, this could release, you know, 100 plus billion um, opportunity for both sides, for both DeFi and CeFi. So normally we kind of do a bit of a, a deep dive into the individual founder that we're speaking to's background. But I think to kind of pick up on this story of DeFi for CeFi or CeFi for DeFi, that's actually very representative of the team and you and your co-founder. As I said, you're a co-founder. Um, and so your fellow co-founder is Ryan. And I think you, in kind of your in conversation, pitch materials, or whenever you do media, you refer to yourself individually as representative of the embodiment of CeFi and DeFi. So Ryan being the DeFi end and yourself being CeFi. So why don't we start there? Tell us a little bit about the respective backgrounds and you know why that's relevant and how that's informed a lot of your thinking at Alchemy. Thanks, Jamie. Yeah, I'll just say, uh, you know, very much um, we've taken a conservative approach, no doubt, um, you know, growing this, the, the protocol and the, and the company very organically over the past two years. And um, it's great, been great to be a part of the, the outlier family and, and working with you and the team. Um, and then said another way, we, we've avoided uh, participating in the, uh, I'll call it the passing the hot potato around <laughs> of, uh, you know, in, in the context of food tokens and, and what uh, yield farming is about. Uh, we love what's happening in the space, and we're very much, you know, um, on board. And we we do some of that our, ourselves on the side, sort of thing. But um, you know, in in terms of uh, when it comes to growing the protocol and and um, you know, alchemy and scaling up, uh, we've we've definitely you know been building it for institutions and and taking this very uh, conservative approach and you know with the kind of institution in mind first. Um, so yeah, I'll jump into uh, my background a little bit, and then I'll, I'll touch on um, Ryan as well, um, one of my co-founders. And then I was actually a third, a third co-founder as well, um, Ben Cooper, who's been with us since the beginning as, as well. And he's um, Ben is responsible for uh, our, our kind of all the beautiful branding, and he's our director of um, uh, UI and UX. Um, so myself, um, I, uh, I've been in the capital markets space. Um, I like to say crypto is just kind of the extension of capital capital markets. Um, I've been in capital markets now for um, over 12 years. Um, started out my career in, um, in the more traditional uh, finance world. I um, had a stint uh, as an investment banker um, at Lazard and then um, joined um, HSBC in your neck of the woods over in London um, and was there for about six years and had quite a wide variety of experience there um, working in, you know, with in the M&A kind of leverage finance groups, as well as working for um, different CFOs across the organization. So I got a wide exposure to a number of, of um, you know, different kind of financial structure products and, and um, you know, how the way, the way of the traditional capital markets infrastructure works, which is very, very relevant to what's happening in crypto and I'll kind of touch on that uh, later in this in this conversation. Um, after leaving the, the banking world, I um, uh, was I got pretty interested in um, early stage technologies and um, joined a um, wasn't wasn't fully down the blockchain rabbit hole yet, but so I joined a um, an early stage investment firm in New York, 
Um, that was where I, uh, one of the companies that I was sourcing for that um, VC was a company by the name of Alpha Point. Um, they were an early player in the, the exchange space and um, was there, ended up uh, flipping over from, from the early stage fund to joining Alpha Point to lead their, their corporate development and, and business development uh, for the company. Um, saw it undergo tremendous growth. Uh, you know, it was about uh, employee, maybe 15 or so. And so I built about 130 heads at the height. So it was um, crazy growth over a two-year period and got me a very, very, you know, intense sort of drinking from a fire hose exposure to, to one, you know, crypto and, and two, just you know, institutional um, capital allocators in crypto more broadly, which has been very relevant. Um, and, and one of the things I noticed when I was at Alpha Point, you know, we had um, at the height, we were powering about 120 uh, or so exchanges around 40 countries around the world. Um, and there was, you know, I noticed this, this opportunity to, you know, one, that there's these macro tailwinds behind kind of what we were doing, that the world was, you know, continuing to move more on chain, meaning, you know, new tokens were, were popping up left and right as kind of the first thing, you know, with the ICO boom and then. That was sort of evolving into, you know, these, these centralized exchanges were looking for ways to, to boost their liquidity, many of which were Alpha Point customers. And so um, I let, ended up uh, leaving um, Alpha Point and um, joined up with Ryan and Ben and the rest of the team to, to get Alchemy off the ground. And, and um, what we've been doing is, is addressing that problem head on, you know. One just solving that that kind of uh, we call it the the decentralized liquidity paradox, <laughs> which is because if you think about it, um, you know liquidity and, and decentralization are kind of these two counter opposing terms, right? Liquidity requires the concentration of wealth, while decentralization requires the separation of wealth. So, how do you kind of have these two forces interacting with you know in these protocols that are decentralized in nature but require liquidity to to get off the ground? So. Um, that was uh, the kind of the hook that brought us in to, to start Alchemy. And then we've since expanded to, you know, build this bridge to drive centralized finance into this space. Um, and uh, real quick, I'll just, I'll touch on um, Ryan's background as well. So he's the DeFi guy as part of the team. I'm, I'm I guess, the, the CFI guy. Um, he's a, a three-time entrepreneur um, as, a, as a full stack engineer. Um, he's based out of, out of Canada, although he's a dual citizen. Canada and the U.S. Um, has been you know, basically an entrepreneur his whole life. Um, he, he, and he's also very philosophical in nature, which has uh, served us well in, in the, uh, you know, especially when you think of rethinking capital markets from the bottoms up and, and how you can drive incentives. And so he's been, um, you know, one, just designing the protocol and leveraging all his, um, you know, full stack engineer experience and, and entrepreneurial experience, but also um, it has been a, an absolute um, weapon for us as part of the overall team. Um, as we you know move to to continue to innovate and and um, launch new products here as part of the Alchemy Network. Great, and um, so I've heard you refer to you know bridge, this bridging between CFI to DeFi as crossing the crypto chasm, and you, you kind of refer to the three C's as problems to solve: capital, connectivity, and control. Can you talk us through those? So, um, you know, CFI, they, they want to come into DeFi, right? They, they, they see the opportunity. They see it's the future. You know, they, 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 they feel the, the need to, to kind of join in on, on the innovation that's happening there and, and want to participate in the next wave of capital allocation. Uh, but they're blocked, right? They're, they're blocked by what we call the, the three C's. And, and those, those C's are called, um, we define as a capital control and connectivity. 
Um, so first I'll start with capital, which is uh, institutional grade capital. What I mean by that is, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze, right? Is, is there enough liquidity in the on-chain capital world or the DeFi world for these, you know, to make it worth the, the ROI or the effort for the CFI to come in? Um, it wasn't prior to the DeFi run-up in the summer. Now it's big enough at 15 billion and growing. Uh, that you know, it is the juice is worth the squeeze. So that's starting to be solved. However, what hasn't been solved yet is the uh, control connectivity issue. And that's where Alchemy comes in. In addition to, to you know, channeling institutional grade liquidity, um, we are providing uh, a controlled environment, meaning um, a, a way for the institutions to tick the compliance box. So these are things like KYC and AML, right? How do you how do you add, enter in if you're a you know a centralized based asset manager you know just pick a pick Galaxy for example right you know they're a, kind of your your typical um, you know big large asset manager in the crypto world right how do they get their compliance department to sign off um, on you know dealing with these permissionless networks that you know there's there's AML and KYC risks for these platforms if they integrate into it they don't know you know the trusted counterparty problem right they don't know who they're dealing with on the other side so. Um, having a, um, a liquidity pool that you know addresses those problems is a, is a very much a, um, a winning strategy for kind of bringing these institutions in, and so that's what we're focused on solving is providing a compliant and, and uh, controlled environment for the institutions to come in. And then the third, the third C uh, is connectivity. You know, and, and I'll, I'll touch on what what we mean by that. So, you know, we all know crypto and DeFi moves extremely fast, right? I mean, just look back, reflect on, on 2020 and, you know, the yield farming summer, a lot, a lot of CFI institutions actually missed that, right? I mean, you know, if you ask around, you know, most of them were, were caught kind of off guard by, by the run up there and the yield potential. Um, so, so, you know, and that was because um, they weren't, you know, connected into it, right? And also there's, you know, new protocols prop, popping up left and right, you know, forks of, of Uniswap and, you know, forks of Compound, some of the major guys out there you know, new competitors popping up. And so how do you stay ahead of the game and integrated, you know, one from a protocol perspective, but two from a liquidity perspective and the assets there. And so uh, what we're doing is is providing a way for these institutions to seamlessly access uh, DeFi-based markets. And, and the way we're doing that is, you know, we, we're, we're focused on um, you know, solving that connectivity gap and having a, a very seamless kind of turnkey solution that the institutions can, you know, plug in and stay competitive and, and still get access to the yield opportunities that the space provides. So, so maybe let's stay at that level because I think there's a few things in that are really interesting before we go, uh, we deep dive into, you know, the Alchemy Network and its, its various products. So on the capital side, as you say, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze? You know, how is the, the attitude of people in CFI not already in crypto towards the space? Because I've kind of heard it often repeated, it's just not big enough. Even if they wanted to, they couldn't deploy a meaningful amount of money for it to be worth their time. So have we have we passed that threshold? And then I guess more generally towards the kind of sentiment towards the space, has there been a shift since this last bull run on, on Wall Street as to you know, the attitude towards the space? Great question. Um, so uh, I'll say that the sentiment is still uh, very much alive and well. People are are very interested in, in kind of this this new world of of DeFi or, or you know, well, we refer to it as just on chain capital, right? There's this wall of money that 
that wants to come in and, and move on to the blockchain. And, and that's what you know, people call as DeFi. And it started to trickle in at 15 billion. And that's that's got that got the attention, you know, prior to the, the attention of these institutions. Prior to last year, 2020, and the yield farming run-up, you know, it was kind of a and by the way, we were, you know, we were actually um, calling ourselves you know, in DeFi prior to the yield farming. Um, but you know, it wasn't uh, this kind of household term um, that uh, you know the institutions were keeping an eye on, and then, and now they are because they see the potential, and um, you know the, the juice is worth the squeeze now, and it continues to grow because where, where this is going is you know, this is a new frontier for for structured finance in general. You know, it's got this this uh, catchy title you know by the name of DeFi that that describes the whole space of what we call just you know on chain capital or uh, structured finance is a new paradigm because it's effectively infinite. You can get infinitely creative with these different financial instruments. And, um, you know, there's the, the amount of just um, rewards and, and um, you know, competitiveness of this, that the DeFi world offers for these institutions is, you know, it, it, it scratches their itch, right? I mean, that's that's what, you know, drove the the, the economy and, you know, the previous decades, right? Is, is, you know, prior to like 2008 with, you know, the, the crisis of that, I mean, there was, you know, the mortgage-backed securities and, you know, CDOs and, and prior to that, you know, the going back to 1700s, the, the invention of the stock market. So, you know, structured finance has been around for a long time. It's just you know, now it's being um, fully digitized and, and moved on chain into a way that you can cooperate on a global scale. And so that's what DeFi represents. A lot of these institutions see that and they're, you know, salivating the opportunity to get in. Once the compliance and connectivity problems are solved, you know, we're going to see that flood of money. Yeah. And I guess it is, you know, if you speak to most bankers, like IT is the bane of their life, right? It's a barrier to innovation because they just have these layers and layers of decades worth of IT infrastructure. Look no further than my previous employer, right? <laughs> HSBC, that grew up by acquisition. Yeah. Right. And then if you look at DeFi, you have this ridiculous rate of technical innovation um, as this kind of evolving, highly composable DeFi stack. And so uh, how do you reconcile those two worlds just at an IT level, a technical level? It's a great question. Uh, so the, the example that I'll use is uh, kind of what Coinbase has done uh, in the early days with, with Bitcoin, right? They allowed for, the reason why Coinbase took off, I mean, now they've since expanded and you know have a whole host of other features. But if you go back to the early days of, of you know, when they were founded and, and kind of the core use case, it was a simple on-ramp to get access to Bitcoin, right? They owned that the Rails experience between you know the analog I call it money 1.0 right the analog fiat dollar and and Bitcoin which is kind of this you know, digital money 2.0 right they provided a seamless experience for that to happen and I think the the, the player that can own that from you know kind of digital money uh, one um, 2.0 which is Bitcoin and or stable coins even. And move into and conquer that you know money 3.0 world, which is the world of structured finance and DeFi, and have a seamless experience that, that these guys can plug in and and have um, you know basically use it as a turnkey way to their existing operations, and that that'll be the one of that company. And so that's what we're trying to do is, is solve that gap and have that um, you know kind of seamless plug in between the two. Great. So let's jump into the product now. So. Um, you refer to kind of three pillars to the network, access, earn, and manage. Um, could you break down the constituent parts of, of these three uh, pillars, business areas, and then I guess map how they then solve these three problems that you outlined earlier? 
Yep. Sure. And um, thanks for that. Um, so <clears throat> what we're doing at Alchemy Aaron, you know, it all is, is based off the three pillars, as you mentioned, the three C's, capital, control, and connectivity. So our products naturally reflect that uh, in their DNA. So um, you can think of Alchemy Network as, as an umbrella. Um, so, uh, we have the, you know, the protocol, our first um, go-to-market product is what we call Alchemy Earn. Uh, and this is a um, liquidity pool that is permissioned, uh, meaning you know, everyone that interacts is a trusted counterparty and is whitelisted on the platform. Uh, and users can, um, in order to, to benefit from uh, Alchemy Earn, users borrow or lend uh, across four core asset markets. Uh, so the markets that we currently support are um, wrapped Bitcoin, ETH, DAI, uh, and USDC. Uh, and these are these are live. We're on mainnet. We're actively onboarding customers and uh, moving to um, expand the growth of liquidity, as well as the other assets that we support as part of Alchemy Earn. So on Alchemy Earn, I believe you've onboarded. Is it 10, 10 LPs um, capped at about two hundred k, and that's been quite deliberate, right? So there's two million AUP, but you kind of wanted to make sure that there was an equal playing field. That's exactly right. So um, there's been a lot of interest on joining Alchemy because you know we're we're solving this. You know, we, we, we think we we definitely have found the product market fit, sort of that um, you know that nascent term that everyone throws around. But you don't know it until you you feel it, right? Until <laughs> you found it. So we're feeling it right now. Um, and so we've we've launched this liquidity mining program as a way to you know bootstrap and, and the protocol now that it's on mainnet and move into hyperspeed growth as we scale up here. Uh, so as part of that initiative, we've launched a liquidity mining program um, whereby we've dedicated uh, 35% of the overall Alchemy token supply um, to uh, liquidity providers. So um, these are depositors uh, as well as borrowers. It's a 50-50 split. And um, we're targeting as initial checks for, for deposits uh, 200K each across 10 plus liquidity providers. And you know, we're starting, we have a target of 2 million uh, to get to here in the next step, you know, basically a couple of weeks, um, which we're tracking to quite aggressively. Um, and then from there, we're going to continue to expand. But this is just a way to get a you know, full kind of um, an even level playing field to start and buy in from many of these institutional counterparties that we're working with and then scale up from there and take us, take them with us on the journey. And can you share some of the partners that are involved as LPs? Yes, yes. Um, uh, so I'll, I'll touch on a few names. There's more kind of where this is coming from, but um, a few of the names. I, so we're working with a company by the name of uh, Shift Markets. Um, they are a uh, white label exchange provider. Um, it's been around for, for 12 plus years in, in New York. Um, they got their start in, in FX and um, have since moved into crypto. In addition to uh, participating in Alchemy Earn as a liquidity provider and borrower, um, they are also, um, this is a, a bigger partnership for us too, strategically. Uh, they are also um, providing a gateway point to the CFI world, meaning uh, we are um, offering DeFi-based products you know, on CFI platforms. So they power um, over 50 exchanges around the world as part of their, their offering. Um, and so we're, we're going to be rolling out um, Alchemy Earn uh, downstream into their customers to just serve as uh, additional portals or, or gateways to our, our G5 pool. Uh, in addition to, to Shift, um, we have a few other uh, kind of a few other names that I can mention um, right now that are, are as part of the kind of early um, providers. Um, these are um, asset manager and hedge fund types by the name of um, Ledger Prime and, and JST Capital. 
um, as well as we're working with some other protocols um, that we've integrated into. So we support Chainlink and have an official partnership there. Um, we've also um, done a partnership uh, with a, a Euro-based stablecoin provider. So this isn't live on the platform yet, but um, we're going to be, uh, we have an announcement coming up here in the next week with uh, Monarium. Um, they're a, a regulated Euro-based stablecoin issuer um, out of Europe. Uh, and then we're also plugging into some other DeFi protocols and, and our networks as well. Um, and we're a part of the, uh, the Conflux um, DeFi ecosystem. So uh, looking to, to expand our reach in, into the eastern part of the world. Great. Yeah. And I think, again, it's testament to how you've quite methodically built out, you know, very selectively the partners that are going to bootstrap the network before you increasingly open it up. And so I know that you've been thinking a lot around this kind of pro progressive decentralization. Yes, that's exactly right. So, you know, we're, we're, we're in this for the long game, right? What, what we see that what's happening right now with, you know, there, there's macro tailwinds and, you know, overall, it's just in the world, right? 2020 is this inflection point. We were just talking before this, um, 2020 has been this inflection point for, for society at large. You know, there's five years of change happening in 10 months, right? And, and everyone is living their world, you know, increasingly living their lives online, right? Well, it would only make sense that our money is, is inherently digital as well and, and capital markets for that matter. So uh, for us, you know, we, we see that there's, that the world is going to continue to, you know, and starts with capital markets, right? Um, have their money and capital living online and that's going to be living on blockchains. And so we've been positioning ourselves and kind of waiting for that right opportunity to strike and, and you know, come to market quite aggressively, working behind the scenes, you know, sort of in, you can call it stealth mode, although that's a bit cliche, but um, we've been we've been kind of doing that behind the scenes, working with partners, you know, and haven't invested too much in the marketing efforts yet. And, and, and you know, but that's all changing right now. You know, we're, we're officially on mainnet. We're full steam ahead. We're pushing aggressively and, and we have um, you know, plans to get to we have an aggressive target here um, to get to 100 million and what we call assets under protocol um, here in the next um, a few months. And then uh, we'll be moving to uh, open up the network, decentralized open source, staying true to the DeFi ethos, but bringing our institutional community and stakeholders along the journey with us. Uh, and be moving to uh, issue the token as part of that, um, you know, down the line later this year. Yes, interesting. So basically, whilst it's um, totally permissioned at the moment, presumably you will begin to open up aspects of that to the wider DeFi ecosystem um, based upon solving for some of the issues around counterparty risk, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you talk to any kind of major C5, you know, if you're a and C5 is this, we keep using this term, but just anyone that's off chain, right? Any, any firm. So these are like centralized exchanges like Coinbase Binance or, um, you know, and I'm just throwing out names here um, or even like, a, you know, custody provider like a Firebox or Curve or Copper um, or even like a, a payment or a processor or stablecoin issuer, right? All these guys are operating, kind of interacting with the blockchain, but one step removed, meaning they're off chain or my former employer, AlphaPoint, right? Um, these guys are are um, you know, looking for opportunities to come in, and, and um, so we're, we're we're building tooling that that need that meets their needs. And you know, one of the top things that they've that they have as a as a friction point is this concept of trusted counterparties, right? And you know, many of them have regulatory based licenses, and you know, depending on where they are, which jurisdiction, 
that they need to attain to. They need to get their compliance departments to sign off. And, and so in order to get your, your their compliance departments to sign off so that they can move and take advantage of some of these on-chain capital opportunities, you know, the, the trusted counterparty problem needs to be solved. And so that's what we're optimizing for is building an experience on that, anchored on that. And presumably that then gives them access to the money markets, the DEXs, AM, uh, AMM platforms, liquidity miners, like the full spectrum of of, of DeFi. Yeah. So, um, so to bring it back to crossing the chasm and and um, you know, just we, we started off kind of with that uh, analogy. So I want to bring it back to that just full circle. So in the book, um, if those who people who haven't read it, um, there's this concept of a beachhead strategy, right? How do you cross into a new market? Um, what's and, and the the author describes that as the beachhead, right? And it dates back to this uh, the U.S. or you know, this World War II analogy, entering on the beach and invading um, a country. So um, the beachhead strategy is for us uh, this permissioned liquidity pool, right? And we're starting there because we want to make sure that we're optimizing and building trust with our institutional community, which is you know I think a little bit of a different approach than a lot of the other DeFi protocols have taken, which are much more retail driven. So we're very much focused on you know, building an institutional community. And so that's you know, as part of the requirements from an institution side, you need to have you know, this trusted counterparty. And the only way you can really achieve that is if you have a walled garden um, living, you know, uh, liquidity pool that lives on chain. So that's, that's our beachhead. Um, we do have plans to remove the, the walled garden, right? And, and open up the protocol, you know, one from a technology and open source perspective, but also from a liquidity perspective. And so this is where things get really interesting. And this is where we think, you know, this mixing of permissioned and permissionless liquidity is, is like, you know, the, the, the trillion dollar plus opportunity for, for the you know, crypto ecosystem at large. If you can connect these two worlds, Forget 100 billion. It's, it's, I think this is you know, the, the really one of the most, the biggest opportunities that's not talked about in the space is how do you connect these two worlds. And so we're toying around with some interesting ideas here. We don't, we don't, I mean, it's a very complex issue, which is why it hasn't been solved. Um, but we think there's, there's some interesting things you can, you can do with a, with a token as a, you know, sort of verification mechanism and, and, and driving that, you know, have the ability to, to transact in a, you know, trustlessness environment, but still obtain trusted counterparts within that. So, um, you know, we, we have, there's more to come on that. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole there for, for some of our plans there, but, um, you know, keep an eye on, on what we're doing there in the coming months. Yeah, so let's jump back. So we, we mentioned the three pillars. We talked about earn. Could we talk about access and manage? Yes. So um, earn, just to, to reiterate, so earn, uh, that's one alchemy earn. That is the product, our first product over on the, on the um, alchemy network as a whole. Um, and earn in, in relation to alchemy earn refers to the ability to just, you know, earn yield on your assets, right? So if you deposit funds uh, as a, as a um, liquidity provider on, on alchemy um, earn, you get, you know, interest rate uh, return on that. Um, it is variable, so um, it's you know it's, it's algorithmically driven, but very transparent. Um, and you know there's some interesting opportunities to kind of expand on that, but starting with a variable um, earning interest. And, and then um, for access and manage, um, this kind of again comes back to the <clears throat> excuse me the control and connectivity points that we were talking about earlier. So um, as an access point, we there's three ways you can access. Um, you can come in through our front end. Uh, we have a, a you know beautiful front end designed by um, Ben Cooper, one of the co-founders. 
Um, and uh, it's you, know, you can use your Web3 uh, wallet to interact. So MetaMask, we support, um, you know, Formatic. Um, we have a, actually a multi-sig uh, capability as well that we've um, done with uh, Gnosis Safe. So um, very much, you know, uh, Web3 supported access points. Um, I was going to say multi-sig is going to be very important for institutions as well, right? Because the custody of assets isn't going to be one person, right? There's going to be multiple people if you're talking about, you know, millions of dollars worth. That's right. That's right. Yep. So, so for us, that's, I mean, these institutions are the ones that are at least in, in kind of DeFi now are comfortable with MetaMask, but um, there's opportunities to, to improve on that. And so, um, you know, we've, we've opted for a multi-safe uh, based point through our um, front end that, that, that the institutions come in. But in addition to front-end access, you can also come in through API. So we have a full API suite available publicly online. Um, so you know, for the, the folks that prefer to come in programmatically and, and through our back-end, they can do that. Uh, and then the third way, and, and this kind of goes back to what I was touching on with Shift Markets and the partnership there and, and some of the other um, CFI infrastructure partners that we're, we're, um, we're you know, in partnership with, um, this is a, we, we think there's an opportunity to effectively white label our pool uh, and roll it out across, you know, the the, the the kind of the off-chain world, you know, providing downstream uh, DeFi access um, from a CFI front end. And then, you know, if you if you listen to you know, some other interviews with, with kind of DeFi founders in the space, this is what a lot of people think, you know, might be the future. Is DeFi capital markets, you know, as a whole on-chain is the plumbing, and then there will be all these different kind of off-chain, you know, front end and and, and CFI access. And so uh, we're positioning ourselves, you know, for kind of maximum flexibility, channeling the money, Legos, all of that. And then, uh, you know, but also kind of catering to the customer and, and partner's appetite, depending on which, how they prefer to access um, Alchemy. Okay. So let's zoom out and fast forward to mix my metaphors. Um, what happens? Does DeFi eat CeFi? Uh, does it disrupt it? Does it transform it? Or... A little bit of both. I think the two worlds do come together. Um, and this term DeFi, CeFi will just go away. It's like saying, you know, is crypto going to be referred to crypto or is it just going to be referred to money? Right. I, I think you can just, you know, the, the, if there's no doubt if you just you know reflect back on the past 12 months. I mean, I think the genie's out of the bottle in terms of, you know, the digitization and financialization of the world. Right. And that's being expressed on these protocols via these protocols and, and you know, the, the, the companies, off-chain companies that are the C5 companies that are interacting with them. Um, so as it relates to DeFi, I mean, this is the frontier for, for new capital markets, plumbing, you know, it, it, and, and, and there's, um, you know, I think that the concept of C5, DeFi is, is just going to abstract away and there's just going to be, you know, capital markets, all in that's inherently digital and, and it's going to become, you know, for this, especially for the next generation, that's all they're going to know. Uh, so we are, um, you know, we're very optimistic on the future of what blockchains will provide as, you know, this new new paradigm for, for capital allocators. Yeah. And the way that I always describe it is, you know, DeFi, because of its hyper competition, this like aggressive pursuits of both efficiency and yield, Compared to CFI, which is inherently doesn't innovate so much, certainly from a technological perspective, um, you know, it might do with financial instruments, but the underlying technology, the rails that makes this stuff happen, um, there's, there's not much of an incentive to to innovate. Um, Extremely cost intensive for those firms too. I mean, you know, keeping up with all the different forks and, and assets out there is. You know, it's like the buyer build strategy for a lot of these guys, right? They got to answer that question: Do they bring on a bunch of 
you know, developers that are solidity native that can, you know, keep up with that, or do they outsource and partner? And so, you know, for us, that's where we're kind of that outsource partner firm um, to help them to remain competitive. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. You know, there are only so many developers around, right? Especially in DeFi. And if they're in DeFi, they're largely doing their own thing. So, you know, they'd have to pay an inordinate amount of money. I guess they could afford it to, to convince them to go, you know, sit in a suit and work, work in a bank when they could just be a, be a degen. Um, so, so, so how, how much of this is going to be constrained or driven by what's happening at a regulatory level? Um, and I, I, I mean that in a global context, but of course, you know, you're sat in the U S right now, there's different movements happening um, both at uh, the SEC and the Commodities Exchange. So, like, what's your perspective there? I think we think regulation is inevitable. Um, it's only a matter of time. You know, the governments are, are you know, and the, the U.S. is kind of, I guess, the, the, they set the path or the, 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 the terms for everyone. And I feel like around the world, most most others follow suit unless, you know, some specific countries. But mostly speaking, the, the U.S. is kind of the, the gold standard of, of regulatory, especially the SEC. Um, so, you know, we're very much, we're, we're, we are embracing regulation. And, you know, I know that's a bit of a misnomer. Regulation and DeFi don't exactly mix, but um, I think that there, it's, it's coming, whether we, whether we like it or not. So you may as well, you know, get ahead of the curve there and, and build products that are, um, you know, tailored to one, you know, the institutional requirements from the compliance, yes, but, but also, you know, regulation at large. And, and um, you know, I think it gets a little murky with some of these like tokens being securities or not. So uh, for us, our approach is, you know, sticking with stable coins um, because those are like kind of the clear cut use case that, you know, not a security, very much a commodity and, and um, you know, useful from a utility perspective as well. Um, and then we'll kind of see how it plays out with, with some of these other asset classes on chain and, and the decentralized nature of it. And I guess that's just going to be driven by, you know, demand and, um, you know, how, how they kind of play out over time uh, as as protocols. And so where do you see uh, C, CBDCs in this, so central back digital currencies? Do they have a, a, a role in what you're building at um, Alchemy? I think that's going to accelerate DeFi, frankly. Um, we think we view stable coins as, as the gateway asset to all these different DeFi products and services. Um, because it starts with, you know, you know, for a lot of these, right, because what's happening is financial innovation. DeFi is just a catch-all term for financial innovation or structured finance, right? And you need a stable asset. You can't have, I mean, we've done it with these volatile assets, you know, to date. But, but I think for institutions who are used to dealing with, you know, stable assets and not having the price appreciation drop, you know, overnight sort of thing, um, the, the stable coins are a great way to, to maintain the, the value of the assets that they're structuring. And so um, we, we're, we're very much uh, hopeful and optimistic for CBDCs and, and frankly, you know, view that as inevitable as well. Um, so when the time comes to, you know, onboard uh, more of those types of uh, assets, we're, you know, we're, we're all ears and arms. Got you. Well, look, Brian, um, actually, when I think about it, I mean, it's been so long, you've almost become part of the furniture at Outlier, but actually you were our first DeFi investment. And I remember you guys even having to convince us that we should be uh, investing into a, a DeFi project. And that took several months of you know conversations just internally at Outlier with our in-house legal counsel as to you know, whether this was something we should be backing. 
Um, and it, it's great to see, of course, like, you know, the, the markets evolved, but I think, you know, how you as a project have executed alongside that, you've been very patient, very disciplined. Um, so I'm really excited for you, for you and the team to, to see what's ahead in, in 2021. Uh, I'm also very much looking forward to some more Shanghai nights. Um, I think it's mo more likely we'll get a night out in Shanghai than we will anywhere else in the world um, s sooner rather than later, right? They seem to have things under control. I'm thinking about now. turning that video into a non-fungible token, by the way, so we can't uh, <laughs> yeah. get, you, get you some rewards on that. That that would break records. It would break records. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, Brian. Well, look, thanks again for your time. Looking forward to seeing what happens in a year. Say hello to Ryan and co. Um, and good luck with 2021. Thanks, Jamie. And I'll just uh, quickly wrap up on, on um, my side. So, um, you know, thanks again for having me on. And, you know, we've been certainly waiting for our moment and, and this is it. So we're, we're super excited about what's ahead. And um, so if you're interested in, in learning more about Alchemy or, or joining us on the journey, um, you can find me uh, on Twitter um, at BMAHO, uh, BMAHO, uh, or on Telegram at Blockchain Bry. Uh, we also have um, company channels. Um, are, we're all under the handle Alchemy Network. Uh, we're very active on Twitter, LinkedIn, and uh, Telegram as well, and building a community there. So uh, please feel free to get in touch um, and, and send us a note. And um, yeah, look forward to uh, seeing what the future brings. And, and thanks again, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web3.